Welcome back to our High Five, where we're gonna highlight five awesome things that are happening in the life of our church. So let's jump into it. Up at number five, we are celebrating Ariana and how God is moving in her life. This past Sunday, she was baptized at our Bedford Outpost and it was a beautiful celebration of her faith in Jesus. Way to go, Ariana. This high five goes out to you today. In at number four, One Church offers a great variety of small groups for people to connect in person and online. The holiday season can be really difficult to navigate when experiencing the loss of a loved one. So in holiday seasons, our group called Grief Share gathers to support one another and encourage us in the hope we have in Jesus. Grief Share meets next at our Manchester Outpost or over Zoom, Saturday, December 17th from 2.30 to 4 p.m. So visit church.one groups to sign up today. Here at number three, this past Friday, our Concord Outpost set out to enjoy the Concord Christmas tree lighting downtown. They were able to spread some major Christmas cheer, handing out treats and over 300 Christmas invitations to their neighbors. Way to go Concord for sharing God's love with your community. Here at number two, the Christmas season is here and we're so excited to be having Christmas services at each of our outposts this year throughout Christmas weekend, December 22nd through the 25th. So check out church.one for your outpost times to join us for Christmas carols, a Christmas message, and to be filled with the holiday spirit. And finally, up at number one, Mackenzie attended our Brandon Outpost Sunday and found herself ready to respond to what God was calling her to do and be baptized. Her mom was right by her side to baptize her and share in this special moment. Mackenzie claims the truth that her identity is in Christ and we're all celebrating that with her today. High five, Mackenzie. Thanks for joining us for our high five and I can't wait to celebrate with you in the next Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Are you guys ready? Are you guys ready for Christmas? You ready? Like, sometimes it like sneaks up on you, and I know there hasn't been a whole lot of snow, and, but tis the season. It's coming. It's coming whether you like it or not. Christmas is, is on its way, and um, it is such a wonderful, beautiful time of year. To think about like our whole cult- culturally, we celebrate the birth of Jesus like the savior to the world. And I know that like your friends and neighbors, they may not necessarily know like that's exactly what's going on, but that's what's happening. Like, like we are celebrating Jesus coming to this world. So it's absolutely wonderful and amazing. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Um, this week, as I've been thinking about this message, um, there's this passage in James that has been on my mind a lot for like several months when I say a lot. And it's something that I've been praying before I come up and, and, and preach. Um, but then I, I was thinking this week, I'd like to ask you all to do it too. Um, this passage of James will say, you do not have because you do not ask. And for a long time, like when I had first heard that, um, I'm like, what is he talking about? Like, what are the things in my life that I'm not asking for? What are the things that, that God wants to give or that God wants to reveal, or that God wants to speak to my life or show me that I'm not asking him? And so I started praying as Lord, Lord I, Lord, I pray that, that you might speak to people. I pray that like through a Sunday morning message that there might be something that you want to say and what if I don't want to be the one who doesn't ask for it. And so I thought I, I would have you in your, in your own, you, just as you sit there, Lord, Lord, how do you want to speak to me? Like, how do you want to speak to us this morning? Like, 
Like, I, I don't just want to get through a sermon. I don't want just to say a bunch of words very fast on a stage. Like, like my prayer is that the Spirit of the living God might speak to our hearts. And I know that he wants to, and I know that he will. Um, but, but, but am I ready? Like, am I receptive? And so, even now, Lord, Lord speak to us. We, we want to hear from you. And so I'm, I'm going to pray. I'm going to kind of pray that prayer. And my prayer is that you might pray that with me. <clears throat> Lord, I thank you that we get to be here. Lord, I thank you that we get to celebrate the Christmas season. Lord, I ask that you do something in this place. So often we're looking for the miraculous, Lord. I, may it even be the simple. For every heart here right now that is, is here and gathered for, for a reason, and, and, and Lord, I pray that whatever that might be, whatever we've brought in, whatever it is you want to say, Lord, that we might be open to you. Holy Spirit, it's so easy for us to get caught up in just doing things. But we pray that whatever way you want to, to speak to our hearts, Lord, that we might be ready and open wherever we wherever we're, um, are walling ourselves off, whatever protection, whatever anger, whatever frustration, Lord, whatever worry is, is getting us, Lord, I pray that you might speak through that and that through these moments, Lord, not through the wisdom of some guy on a stage, but, Lord, by a work that you want to do, Lord, may we hear what you want to say. It's your name we pray. Amen. So I know that, that Christmas can be chaotic, and you're probably worried about stuff already, and, or, or maybe you're excited about it, too. Like, you got different personalities. Um, but, but it can be a lot. And have you ever noticed, like, sometimes we, we, um, we can make things more chaotic than maybe they need to be? Like, like Thanksgiving had passed and like all the family gathered around and like this hustle and bustle and hurry and flurry and all of this stuff. And, and sometimes I think we just have to dial things back and say, okay, well, why are we doing this? What is, what is Christmas really? Like in the midst of all the tinsel and lights and all of that stuff and all the presents and gifts and family gathering together and all the, the schedules. And if you got schedules that you're trying to, uh, trying to figure out, who's, who's, who's going where, how are you getting there? And, and, and all of the in-laws and all of, the, all of that, that mess of stuff. Like here's what I think we could say. We could lose the Christmas season, we could, we could miss the meaning of Christmas if we just get caught up in all that other stuff. And so we're going through a series, we're starting a series called Simply Christmas. And my prayer is that, that we as the people of God, we as followers of Jesus might be able to step back and just stare at the simplicity of Christmas. I mean, there is something rather simple about Christmas. When I think about Mary and Joseph and a baby about to be born. Babies are born all the time. There's probably a baby being born right now at Concord Hospital, right? Babies are, are born and, and we all were born, right? So there's something very, something that we all uh, experienced. We don't remember it or, or we've given birth, uh, some of us. Um, and and so, so there's something very common. There's something very ordinary. There's something very simple. I've got to be cautious how I say that. Something very simple about childbirth. And yet, when you think about the Christmas story, a young man, a young woman trying to find a place at a crowded inn and a baby being born and laid in a manger, you're like, okay, there's a simple story there, but sometimes simple doesn't mean like shallow, right? Simple doesn't mean, simple doesn't mean shallow. Like there can be a lot of depth in the midst of it. And so a baby is born in a manger. And then we come to our memory verse today from uh, Luke chapter 2. 
And we're going to read it together. You can put it up on the screen right now. It's, it's Luke chapter 2, uh, verses 10 through 11. And it's, it's one of those Christmas passages, one of the Christmas passages that you know. Um, so, so Jesus is born in a manger. Uh, again, like you're, you're, you're at this simple inn is how we've always seen it. Like they're, they're going to register. And, and so there's simple things happening in a lot of ways. And yet um, there's these shepherds in a field, which seems rather simple. It's what you would expect to see in Israel on an evening, like shepherds in a field, like maybe sitting by a campfire and stars in the sky and just talking to each other and, and the sheep bleeding, bleating, like, like hopefully not bleeding, bleating like all, all around him. And then all of a sudden an angel comes with, with this announcement of, of a baby that has been born. And, and, and you're like, okay, well, that's something simple, right? A baby's born all the time. And yet, no, there's, there's, there's something charged with meaning in the midst of this. And so read this together with me because the, sh- the shepherds kind of freak out for a little bit because I think that's what you do when you see an angel. You're like, I- I- I've never seen an angel, but-, but every time you see it in scripture, it's like, oh, this is something big. Like, like I-, I don't know how to handle this. Um, and so read this with me. <coughs> but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Oh, man, right in the middle of their ordinary day. Right in the, mo- in the middle of the simplicity of shepherding. An angel appears with this completely meaningful message. That help has arrived. That help has come. I don't know about you, but as a human being, like I can get a little bit off track. Any of you ever get off track? Any of you off track? And there is the man I want to be. There's the father I want to be. There's the husband I want to be. There's the person that I want to be. And then there's a reality. And you can see the difference sometimes, and I can, maybe you can, I can see the difference. And so you start to see all the different ways that, oh man, I, like if this is God's standard and this is me, like there's a real struggle here. I need a little bit of help. I need a lot of help. And what God did, what God did on Christmas Day is that he sent his son. He sent his son to be help. And maybe you're here right now at this moment and you need help. Part of the simplicity of the Christmas story is that, that there's a God who loves you, that knows you, that has extended his help to you. And that can help you, that will help you in whatever it is you're facing right now at this very moment. And maybe it's this other side of help. Maybe there's a way that he's calling you. He's calling you to something. He's calling you to be the, the young man, the young woman that he's made you to be. He's calling you to be the mom, the, the husband, the wife that he's called you to be. And you're like, I need, I need some help. And what I love about God is that he will always be there to extend and to be that help. And so when we talk about a meaningful Christmas, Christmas, Christmas time of Christmas means a, a time of faith. Christmas means faith. As we talk about Simply Christmas, we're, we're really going to talk about faith, hope, and love. And, and, and really, when you think about Christmas, Christmas is this time of faith. And I thought about faith. I thought about the things that we put our faith in. And for some reason, like, all these Christmas movies come to mind. Any of you started watching Christmas movies? Anybody got a favorite Christmas movie? You can shout it out. Anybody got a favorite Christmas movie? My, my, my daughter was watching Elf. That's one, of, that's one of my favorites. Elf. Anybody else? Anybody got a, I, I, come on, I shared. Give me, give, me a, give me one of your favorite Christmas movies. 
Ah, Scrooge. Uh, uh, the Grinch. I heard the Grinch. Um, uh, all the Christmas story. Yeah, there's, there's like a remake of that too. Um, anyways, I, I was thinking about all these Christmas stories and I, you know, I, I, I was thinking about how much faith is tied to them, whether it's faith in love, whether it's like the Hallmark Channel. It's like, oh, I just have faith that he's, I'm going to find my perfect guy or, or you know, all of that type of faith. Sorry about that voice. Sorry about that fa- voice, by the way. Um, or or I, I, was, I was stuck on this. I didn't realize um, that Santa's sleigh, like I thought it was just in one movie that it needed like the faith of people who believe in Santa to help him fly. I realized that this is a theme maybe throughout movies. Of, if, we, if we just have more faith, oh, Santa can't fly unless we have more faith, and so you gotta believe in Santa, and you gotta have more faith so that his, his thing can fly, his, his sleigh can fly, so they can get to all the, the boys and girls. And I thought about all the things that we put our faith in, and all the things about faith. What are we talking about? We talk faith and faith that's like, oh man, he can get our presence here on time. And I mean, we can put our faith in a lot of things. What are you putting your faith in? People. You putting your faith in people? How's that going? <laughs> you put your faith in yourself? Like my, my own power, my own energy, my own righteousness, my own ability to do what I need to do at the right time? Like, oh man, if my faith is in that, like there is real, real trouble. We do. We put our faith in money. We put our faith in, we put our faith in all kinds of things. What do you put your faith in in Christmas? Christmas, Christmas means faith. But our faith is only rightly placed in the person of Jesus. In John chapter 3, we're going to hang out in John chapter 3 a little bit. Um, There's this man named Nicodemus who's curious about Jesus. And I was thinking about this, I was running through this last night, and I thought, maybe you're here this morning and and you don't really know Jesus, like you're, you're curious about him, you're interested about him. In fact, maybe you grew up in a Christian family, but you're not exactly sure of, you know, where you are with this, this Jesus character. And, and, and what I love about Jesus is that he will always invite you. Come on, I'll, I'll have a conversation with you. I'll talk with you. And I thought, like, well, you don't have to not have known Jesus to, to be curious about him. Like, you could be 50 years in the faith, you could be 60 years in the faith and still have a curiosity about Jesus. And what I like about Jesus is that he'll meet us at night, like Nicodemus, and he's like, hey, let, let's talk about this. And so you find Jesus in this conversation with this guy named Nicodemus. Um, and, and Nicodemus is like trying to figure him out, trying to figure out who this Jesus is, which is a worthy cause. There, there will be no better pursuit in your life than to pursue who this Jesus guy is. And then in John chapter 3, verse 16, you come to what is probably the closest, maybe one of the most famous verses in Scripture. And we're, we're talking about simply, and we're talking about simply faith, and this is why we, we're going to like one of the, the, the premier passages, like you see it held up at football games, John 3, 16. You'll see it like on, on, under people's eyes, like, on, like in, in, in football games. You'll see, it, you'll see it all over the place, and, and there's a reason why it's there. It's because there's this simple statement charged with everything, charged with, charged with life and hope, all in the midst of this little passage, and it calls us to faith. And so this is what it says in John chapter 3, verse 16. It says, For God so loved the world. Again, maybe you've been in the faith and you've heard this passage, but hold on to every word of this. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world that he gave. For God so loved. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his one 
his one and his only son, that whoever, not, not someone specific who's got everything figured out, who've got it all together, who's ever not been into a church before or gone to church all their life, that whoever, whoever believes in him shall not perish, should not perish, but find what life really looks like, find eternal life in him. That's, I mean, that's a message to wrap, right? That's a message to like, to hold on to the, the love of God, the passion of God for people, for God so loved the world. I haven't always loved the world. The world is a mess. People are a mess. I'm a mess, right? Like, Sometimes when John, the, the author of, of the book of John, the gospel of John, sometimes when he talks about the world, he talks about it in negative terms. He talks about it in, in institutions that, that stand opposed to God. It's like, don't be part of this world. Don't get caught up in this world. And so what can happen is we can start to say, oh, well, everything about the world is bad. And sometimes Christian circles, we start to do that. It's like, oh, the world is bad. You got to stay away from the world. You can't do, do the world. And I, I can't stand the world. And, and all of a sudden it translates into people. It's like, well, people are bad and people are making bad decisions, which they do. Um, and, and people are like, and so what can happen is we're going to say, well, well, I guess I'm just not going to care about people. I guess it's just me and God. And we're going we're gonna to get through this life together, me and him. And, and yet what we, what, what we hear from John chapter 3, verse, verse 16 is, no, the creator of this world loves this world. He loves people, which is a little bit of convicting in my life. It was like, okay, God loves. God loves the people you go to work with. He loves them. He doesn't just tolerate them or like them. He loves them. Your classmates, the most popular one, the least popular one, the one that you can't stand, the one that never stops talking, God loves them, loves them, love, for God loves his world. And you think about, well, what kind of God is this? You would think he has full right, like after he creates the world, to go off and do something else. But instead, God loves the world. He, he's engaged in his world. He's invested in his, for God so loved the world. It doesn't just stop at God loved the world. It's like he so loved the world. And so, so what is John trying to say? There's, there's something more to this. He not only loves the world, he loves the world to an extent that you're going to say so that he gave. That he gave. Which teaches me something about love. Something that maybe not only our world needs to understand, but I need to understand is that love is not just some action or emotion. Love, with some feeling or emotion, love, love steps in. God steps in to the mess. Whose mess are you, is God saying, I want you to step into? For God so loved the world, he gave, he did something about it. And he goes on, he goes on to say he gave, he gave his one and only son, so there's a cost to him. That's, like, that's what John's wanting to understand, is there's a cost to what God gave. It's Because you're, sometimes you're like, well, I will love to this point. I will, I will love to up to here. But what it says is, no, God loves his world, so loved his world that he gave his one and only son, so that whoever, oh man, you might notice I really love that word whoever. Whoever believes in him. We have the best news on the planet. 
for anyone. No matter what failures are in your life, no matter what rebellion that you, you like to live under, no matter what mistakes you have made, no matter what your, your, the past 20 years of your life has looked like, no matter what, whoever believes in him will not perish but find eternal life. That's why Paul says, I'm not ashamed of this stuff. I'm not ashamed of the good news of Jesus because it's the best news for, for anybody everywhere. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. You see... You see the passion of God. You see the provision of God. He's a God who gives. And you see the promise of God. And when you believe in him, you can find life. And you know, that's the invitation of Jesus to you right now. Like if you're looking for where life and fulfillment can be found, he says, if you come to me, you'll find life. You'll find life to the full. Young people, young people, can I talk to you for a second? Like, like there, there will be all of these different journeys in your life where you will try to find out what can bring satisfaction and what can really bring about joy. And I think a lot of us in this room, you would say, you know what? There's a lot of things that you can run after, but if you seek your joy in finding him, that's where life can really be found. And the truth is, it's not just the young people who need to hear it. I need to hear it. We need to hear it. And so Christmas means faith. This faith that it's not just Santa's sleigh discovered, you know, delivering presents for a day. It's, it's like, no, there is a God who loves me. There is a God who died for me. There is a God who is passionately in love with me. That sees me as I am and is not turned away from it, but instead sends his son for it. It's why Paul will say, <laughs> if God is for us, if he didn't hold back his son, how will he not also with his son give us all things? Like, it, because Paul's wanting us to understand, when he writes that in Romans chapter 8, he's wanting us to understand that there's nothing that you will face that God's power is not sufficient for. And if he showed up for you at your worst, how, how much more will he give you whatever is needed to be accomplished in your life at this moment? And so... It's about faith. It's like, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you in this. Where in your life is God saying, I want you to step into faith this season that to, to, to pull through all of the other junk of, of that can often convolute Christmas and simply to say that Jesus, Jesus, you're enough. Christmas means hope. Christmas means hope. You guys remember your Christmas wish lists? You, you, remember, you remember the Toys R Us catalog? I don't know if it was a catalog, but it was, it was significant. And, and your parents would like give you a black marker. And anybody remember doing this? And you would like circle all the things. That, your mom would be like, hey, I, hey, hey, Johnny, go, go circle all the things that you want. And I'm like, oh, man, let's get started. And I would go in and I would start, start And you started to find how fast you could circle like everything. It's like, oh, I want everything. But I always knew that I always went at it with, with some type of weird hope of like, I'm going to circle everything. But I'm, in reality, I'm probably not going to get everything. And so there was like, ah, oh, this is what I want. But this is probably reality. You guys remember doing that? And I thought about hope. And I thought about how we, in our world as human beings, we kind of really hope is in our minds is wishes. Oh, I, I wish this were better. I wish I weren't such a mess. I wish. But then there's the reality. I think about that in terms of like 
in terms of like how God sees me or how I see myself, I would hope that I could live a life that would like bring honor and glory to God. And you would hope that too. But then there's the reality of like, I got all the things circled of who I want to be, but <laughs> I, Cole might be the better present, like in, in reflection of, of who I am sometimes. You ever feel that? You ever feel like you deserve Cole? Anybody feel like they deserve Cole sometimes? And, and you're like, okay, this is what I want, and this is what I'm hoping for. This is the reality that I'm like living under. And, and if, if God were to meet me now, this is what we sometimes have. Like if, if, if God were to show up now, like in the moment of my life, and he saw, he saw, man, man, I would be on the naughty list, right? Man, I would, I like, I have these hopes. I have this circled. Oh man, this is the husband. This is the, this is the man. This is the father. This is, this is who I want to be. This is reality. This is what I want. This is what I probably deserve. You know, I want this. I get this. I get coal. And so, so you would think, okay, God shows up into his world in the midst of all his rebels, in the midst of those who are going against him, in the midst of the, uh, of the people who, who he says, hey, if you trust me and follow me, I, I, I can lead you to life. And you're like, ah, I kind of want to do my own thing. And so you start doing your own thing and you get yourself in all kinds of trouble. And then he shows up. You're like, uh-oh, he's here. John 3.17. John 3.17 says this. You know, we, we talk about John 3.16 a lot. Sometimes we miss out 17. 17's got, some, 17's got some power to it. Because it says this, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. What is hope? Hope is this trusting in Jesus that I don't get what I deserve. I get his grace. Hope is not some wish of I wish I was this or that. Hope is man, Jesus has stepped into the gap and done something that I couldn't do by myself. And so Christmas means faith, and Christmas means hope. And finally, Christmas means love, but we all know that, right? Christmas means love. I mean, you got the Grinch, heart too small, grows. I forgot how much it growed, but it grew. Hallmark channels, love. But when you find it, when you find about, talk about love, I, we have kind of a shallow understanding of it. And, and maybe, maybe in the simplicity of faith, hope, and love, what God is wanting to speak to your life today is to give you a deeper definition of love today. Because if, for God so loved the world that he acted, he did something. And God so loved the world that he did something that cost him a lot. 
And so God so loved the world that instead of bringing condemnation, which is what we tend to do sometimes to people that we struggle with or people that we fail in love with, what happens is we, we, we can condemn them. And we can be very fast. Any of you fast with your words? We can be very fast with our judgments. We can be very fast with our, our condemnations. And so, so, so but, 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 but Christmas is about love, but it's, it's, it's about some type of different love. It's, it's not this emotional love that we're so in love with within our culture. It's not this, everything feels great, and, and so I'm going to stick with it for a little while while it's feeling great. It, it, instead, it's this, it's this Jesus type of love that Jesus will keep calling us to. And as John will write other letters, he'll, he'll talk about this Jesus type of love. Uh, that, like, we fall in love with this superficial type of feeling love so that we're not feeling it anymore. We, we start to check it out the door. And, and what, what, what we as the church are really being called to is a Jesus type love. And so Paul will say this, if you've got all life figured out, if you've got all your presents wrapped, if you've got the house decorated and and the meal prepared just as it needs to be, if you've gotten everything done at work and you've gotten your life all put together, you've got the outfit, you've got the shoes, you've got it all put together, but if you don't have love, it means nothing. Christmas means nothing. If you're doing a whole lot of good things, a whole lot of good actions, but your love is not there, it's just noise. And so you're like, okay, I need love. What are the Beatles wrote? It's all you need. All you need is love. So, so show me this love. What does this love look like? What does Jesus' love look like? And so this is what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It says this, you've heard it at weddings, <laughs> but I want it to be lived out in my life. You've heard it said, but I think he's calling us to, to know it and to live it. And so this is what it says, love, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, it does not boast. Love, it is not proud. Love, it does not dishonor others. Love, it is not self-seeking. Love, it is not easily angered. Love, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. What does love do? It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Verse 13 says this, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Christmas. Christmas is patient. Christmas is patient. My mom always said, don't pay for patience. Christmas is patient. Love is patient. Where's God calling you to be patient? Love is, love is kind. Who's God calling you to be kind to? Love is not envious. It's very easy to look at everybody else and see what they got and what you don't in comparison to them. And love is not envious. Love, love is humble. It does not boast. It is not proud. Love is selfless. Love is love is the God of creation with the cross on his back, being mocked and spat upon and beaten and 
hung. And I'm like, oh, I, I'm not sure if I can. I'm not sure if I can say a kind word to my wife or husband, or I'm not sure if I can forgive that. Or love is love is calm. It is not easily angered. Father, forgive them for they don't understand what they're doing. Love is forgiving. It keeps no records of wrongs. Christmas means faith, and Christmas means hope, and Christmas means love. There's something very simple, very simple about saying, what are we called to? We're called to love like Jesus. That's simple to say. What are you called to right now as a husband? You are called to love like Jesus. As a dad, you're called to love like Jesus. As someone who will go to work tomorrow, you are called to love like Jesus. Or school tomorrow, you are called to love like Jesus. As a wife, you're called to love like Jesus. As a, as a mom, to love like Jesus. As a classmate, to love like Jesus. And it's something so beautifully simple. And I think revolutionary to our world when they start to see people live this stuff out. Because of his love, Jesus will meet with his disciples in the upper room. And they'll, he'll, he'll grab a piece of bread, which would have seemed normal, I suppose, and rather simple. Bread is probably one of the most simple, I don't know, parts of food. But it's filled with meaning because he says, this is my body given for you. And whenever you do this, I want you to pierce the meaning of it. I want you to pierce the significance of it and know that because I give this for you, now you give it for others. And so do this in remembrance of me. He takes the juice and he says, this is my blood poured out for you. Essentially, he says, this is what love looks like and this is what I've called you to love like. And so I call you up, he says. I, I, I want you to, if, if this is what I do for you and I wash your feet, then, then you get to go wash other people's feet. And you're like, I don't like feet. You're like, Jesus is like, okay, you love me? Like, yeah, Jesus, I love you. Well, you love feet now, so I want you to go wash people's feet. So we do this to remember our king. Would you all stand? As we get ready to like walk into this Christmas season, May you keep it simple. And in these moments, we always sing a couple songs, and there's this invitation that if you need prayer, if there's any way that we can pray together with you, something going on in your life, some distraction, some way your life has gotten off course and you just want to get back on course, Dan, we'll be down here. I'll be standing down here. And if there's a way we could pray, we'd love to do that with you. Or if today's the day you would like to to step into relationship with Jesus, to be baptized into him. There's water over here and there's no reason to wait. And so we'd love for you to step into, step into the water and from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet to say, God, I'm all in. I'm all in with you. And I will, I will, I will choose to rest in your grace. We all pray with me. God, you're good. 
But I pray that the love that we have received might become the love that we now give. And Lord, I pray that even now in this moment that you might show us specifically. Holy Spirit, that you might show us specifically who you're calling us to love. To love with the love of Jesus. It's in him that we pray. Amen.